What's up, everybody? This is The Booch, and this shout-out goes to all of the members of The Booch Cast Nation. On behalf of the entire team and all of my affiliates, I would like to take this opportunity to thank you guys so much from the bottom of our hearts for your continued support of The Booch Cast. Whether it's wrestling recaps, interviews, politics, variety shows movie reviews, whatever episodes we come out with, you guys listen, you guys tune in, and you show your support. And it means the world to us. And we're going to commence with this latest episode in just a moment. But I want to take this opportunity right now to let you guys know something really huge that is going on in the world of the booch. I am now officially on Cameo. That's right, the Cameo. The same Cameo where celebrities go and give personal shout-out videos for all their fans. And I'm here to let you guys know that for the affordable price of just $25, you can get a personalized video from me on Cameo. And it can be for any occasion that you want. You got somebody you want me to wish a happy birthday? I'll make it happen. You want me to congratulate someone on graduating high school or college? I'll make it happen. Whether it's a happy holidays video, it can be a gender reveal, it can be somebody who needs some motivation, you want the boots to motivate you, or if you got somebody in your life that you want to break up with, I'll help make the breakup happen. Or if you got somebody in your life that you want to tell to fuck off and you want it done booch style. All you got to do is go to cameo.com slash booch365. There'll be a link in the description box of every episode of the Boochcast from now till the end of time. Go there, book your video, customize it however you want. Let me know how you want it done, and I will make it happen for you. So go to cameo.com slash booch365 right now and book your personalized video today for the affordable price of $25. And now, on with the show. Lutes. Vials. Irritating little crumb horns. Gaze at the person across from you now Feel the sweet spark of connection If you don't screw up this moment somehow Maybe you won't die alone Don't be too needy or bring up your anger don't say the words, her peace simplex. Don't ever mention you've never had sex. Trust me, I promise she knows. And now her defenses are starting to fall. Smile and return her affection.
What's up everybody, this is Vinny Bucci, aka The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, joining me here on The Boochcast, he is the NXT correspondent. He's been woken. Yep. He's been broken. Yep. And now he's just broke. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Boochcast, the one, the only, the broke soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up, dude and dudettes? This is me, the broke soulless ginger, Zach Scott. Genially speaking, I'm not that broke. This card tonight was... Are you nuts? It was okay. It could have been better. Nah, I thought this was card was going to suffer a couple of things. It was actually a better card than it was last week. I promise you that. Dude, this card was epic. What are you talking about? This is a very good night of NXT. It was okay. Just saying. It was fine. I enjoyed it. And they say I'm hard to please. Because you are. You literally just saw an epic night of NXT and you're sitting here going, meh. You're either fucking with me or you got serious problems. How about both? That's a valid answer. (laughs) Now, before we get into this, there is one thing I do kind of have to address here on the Boochcast, and that is this. Um, Originally, before we sat down to do this, um, obviously we did our fair share of recording earlier today. Mm -hmm. So we got a lot of work done, a lot of things to catch up on. Uh, We got the Siegfried and Roy uh, episode recorded, as well as Junkyard Dog uh, for the YouTube videos. But we were supposed to have a third person join us for this recap of NXT. A dear friend of ours was supposed to be a third correspondent for this particular episode a gentleman you guys know by the name of Elvis Delinsky and the reason Elvis was originally going to join us was because he had every intention of watching NXT tonight because the reason this episode of NXT was so epic and so star-studded was because at the same time that NXT was coming out with this episode AEW decided to come out with a show of their own they were entitling it Title Tuesday which made no sense because there were not a lot of titles defended on that fucking show from what we read true and obviously the reason they're doing this is because with the playoffs going on in baseball right now as they're gearing up for the World Series assuming the World Series is either about to start or already is because usually October is when it happens it's the playoffs right now okay because I know October is when they do the World Series and all that. So, because there's so many playoff games, AEW got relegated to Tuesday nights. And NXT stacked the deck in order to compete with this AEW episode. And Elvis, because he is very anti-AEW, he hates it about as much as we do, he was going to watch this episode of NXT as a fuck you to all elite wrestling. So I asked him, hey, since you're watching, how about you join us for the recap? Join me and Zach for the show. And at first he wasn't sure, but he said, you know what? Why not? I'll join in. Let's do it. So, we wait, I wait a little bit to give him a call, because I know after the show, we kind of have a decompressing moment, we kind of get some stuff set up, and then we proceed with recording the podcast. So I call Elvis. I get no answer on his phone. I then go to Facebook Messenger, try calling him there. I get no answer. I try again. I've left voicemails. Was not getting an answer. So after a certain point, I kind of realized, okay, Elvis is probably not going to call me back. And we proceeded to turn on the recording and everything and get started with the show. So sadly, Elvis will not be joining us, but rest assured, I'm sure he's going to call me, whether he calls me really late tonight or sometime tomorrow. And believe me, I'm going to get an answer for why he chose not to join us. Now, if he's busy or realizes he's too tired to do it because he's got to get up for work in the morning, I get that. I understand that. I wouldn't be upset about that. What's upsetting me is that he's not at least calling me back or sending me a text, letting me know, hey bro, I can't make it. I at least want that. 
I understand, you know, shit happens. People can't make shows or recordings and stuff. But it's like, first of all, fucking tell me. Don't just leave me in the dark because that pisses me off. And also, don't cancel on me consistently. That's another thing I, I can't fucking stand. And I'm not going down that road again. I'm just saying it to make a point because I'm on the topic right now. But in general, if for whatever reason you can't make it to a recording, if you agree to be part of this show, fucking tell me. It's like it's like when you call in sick to a job. If you're not going to show up for work, you at least call your boss. Hey, I'm not going to be able to make it in. Here's why I'm not going to be able to make it in. At least if you call, you can't get in trouble because you gave a call. But if you no-show, no-call, that's bad. That's not good. That's, that's going to get you fucked. All. So I'm a little upset about that, but I'll deal with that on my own time. Right now, we're going to jump into NXT from the Performance Center. And we kick things off with the man who is now currently one half of the Undisputed Tag Team Champions because him and Jey Uso defeated the Judgment Day at Fastlane. The American Nightmare Cody Rhodes makes his way to the ring to a huge reaction. The crowd loudly sings his song. Rhodes gets in the ring and the crowd chants his name. Rhodes is not carrying the tag team titles tonight. He looks fired up to be there. A Yeet chant picks up. I have no idea what the fuck that means. Rhodes shouts Yeet to get the crowd going and then says, So, NXT Universe, what do you want to talk about? He says he'd be lying if he told you he thought he'd ever be standing in this particular ring. Now that he is, something feels right. It's the Rhodes. It's Florida. They've spilled blood all over this state. Rhodes does have an announcement to make. Actually, it's announcements. He says they've all been enjoying the women's breakout tournament. Who will be the next Tiffany Stratton? Who will be the next Rhea Ripley? At the end of that tournament, the men will also have a breakout tournament. Rhodes kept hearing about a certain tag team tournament, and a Dusty chant fires up. Rhodes says it sounds like they want that. The crowd cheers in the affirmative. That's good because the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic is also coming back. And there's one more announcement. On perhaps the biggest night in NXT history, Shawn Michaels made him the special guest general manager of NXT. NXT champion Ilya Dragunov makes his way to the ring. The champion, who is celebrating a birthday, gets a happy birthday chant. Dragunov apologizes for interrupting Rhodes, but he couldn't pass the opportunity to welcome him to NXT. Rhodes' announcements bring hope and excitement for the future of the brand. They breathe life into NXT. Dragunov also wanted to just meet Rhodes. Rhodes is a man who brings passion, energy, and the will to suffer for the entire WWE universe. Rhodes is a man who fights with fire and pushes everything he does to the next level. Dragunov wants to do it like Rhodes. Dragunov promises to push this brand to the next level with a fire that only the Matt Dragon can blow. NXT North American Champion Dirty Dominic Mysterio and Women's World Champion Rhea Ripley come out. Mysterio says the WWE universe is here to see the greatest superstar this brand has to offer, Dominic Mysterio. A you suck champ picks up. Dragunov may be the NXT champion, but he doesn't compare to him. The one and only true double A champion. If you want to feel Rhodes' energy, why doesn't he ask about the energy level when the Judgment Day leaves him lying? Dragunov says nobody wants to hear the sound of his voice. Dragunov's father used to work in a prison, so he knows exactly how to turn a barking dog into a sweet little puppy. <laughs> Mysterio asks if he hurt little Elia. Rhodes whispers in Dragunov's ear. Mysterio challenges Dragunov to put his title on the line tonight to see if he's half the man he says he is. Rhodes asks if Mysterio isn't willing to put his North American Championship on the line. Ripley says Mysterio's been carrying WWE on his back for the whole year. He just won the NXT North American Championship again. Dragunov says it's a great day. He couldn't imagine something better than beating Mysterio in the ring. He's going to smash Ripley's boy. Rhodes says he's a special guest general manager. That match for the NXT Championship is official. Here's the problem. Knowing what he knows about the Judgment Day in the numbers game, this match needs a special guest 
referee. He says, it's not going to be me. The special guest referee is the hottest star in WWE today, L.A. Knight. The crowd roars. This right here was an opening, great opening uh, segment right here. You know, the first 30 minutes was free. This took about, what, about 15? Roughly. <laughs> yeah, uh, Cody Rhodes comes out there to sing along to his song, the Yit thing, and Vinny and I were looking at each other, guys. We're like, what the fuck is this Yit thing? What the fuck is Yit? I thought I was saying speech. Speech, 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 speech. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we're like, okay, this doesn't mean anything. He's out there, he's talking, Dragon Up comes out there. Hey man, welcome to NXT. Dynamic and Rhea comes out. NXT Universe, when you guys see Dynamic and CEO come out, I know you hate his guts. I hate his guts. Quote, quote. But let the fucker with the mullet hawk. Am I right, Benny? Yes. I know I said this much, but this was great. This was awesome right here. I loved it. Uh, but it was funny as hell when Rhea Ripley ripped into Dominic's ear. Cody did the same thing to Dragon <laughs> But yeah, I enjoyed this right here. This was interesting to see. I seriously thought Rose was going to be the uh, special guy's reference. No, it's not me. It's none other than the hottest WWE star, L.A. Douche. Go ahead, Benny. Seriously, after everything that L.A. Knight has done, how are you still not sold on this guy? There's one problem. What's the problem? He's just so, so douchey. Just saying. How so? I'm just making fun of him. He is very good. I just like saying L.A. douche because it gets on your nerves. It just makes you sound like a mark. I'm no fucking mark. Fuck you. I just make fun of the dude. Sheesh. Well, I will say that um, there were aspects of this promo that I did like. Mm-hmm. But I will say, the, the thing I need to say right now is, I was disappointed in some of the announcements that I heard. First of all, I'm glad there's a men's breakout tournament. I had a feeling it was coming around the corner. The Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. I'm okay with that coming back. But when they said Cody was going to be the guest general manager, to me, that was fucking stupid. Yeah, I remember that. I was like, I'm the special guest manager. And you're like, is that it? Yeah, because I was waiting for a different announcement. The announcement that I wanted to hear was him announcing that he is being traded to SmackDown since Jey Uso got traded to Raw. Because, yes, I get it. They're the tag team champions now. They can go on both shows. But here's the problem. When Cody and Jay drop the tag team titles, they don't see them being tag champions for very long. When they lose those titles, they go back to Raw. That's how the tag team title issue works. You hold the titles, you go on both brands. But once you lose the title, you go back to the brand you were drafted to. And therefore, Cody would go back to Raw. And Cody needs to go to SmackDown. He needs to. And the reason he needs to is because that way he can challenge for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship without having to win the Royal Rumble. That's also why originally I wanted him to win the Money in the Bank briefcase. Because had he won the briefcase, he could cash it in on Roman Reigns. Because the Money in the Bank briefcase and the Royal Rumble allow you to choose the champion you want to face. If you're not the Money in the Bank winner and you're not the winner of the Royal Rumble, then the only way you can get a world title shot is to face the champion that is on your brand. That is, of course, assuming that this draft is still worth a damn. I personally think it's not. Most wrestling fans think it's not. I only know one that still finds value in it. I'm assuming this is somebody who I know as well. Yes, he's in our group, but... It's Dez, isn't it? 
Of course it is. No, of course. Who else? My point is, Cody needs to go to SmackDown. Because in order to finish the story, he has to win the Undisputed title. And those were Cody's exact words. Like he even said, I would love to hold the World Heavyweight title. But that's not going to finish my story. Because he has to win the title they took from his father in the garden. That's the story. And that title is the title held by Roman Reigns. Now whether he faces Roman Reigns or he faces somebody else. Either way, Cody needs that Undisputed title. Because I've got a feeling, and I'll talk about it here since we're on the subject. i got a feeling that Roman Reigns and John Cena are going to collide for the title of Crown Jewel. And I would love to see Cena take the title of Crown Jewel with help from The Rock. This is how I would book it. Have The Rock come out as a surprise. Don't advertise The Rock for this show. Let him go on Vince's private jet, fly over there, under the radar, let nobody see him. And then he goes in, has the surprise appearance, assists John Cena in the battle with the bloodline, and John Cena becomes the undisputed champion. And in doing so, he breaks the Ric Flair record that we've all been talking about. And also, it can set up Roman versus Rock for WrestleMania. Because if Roman Reigns and The Rock are going to collide at WrestleMania, under no circumstances can Roman be the champion going into that match. Because that means one of two things. Either A, The Rock has to be the one to take the title. Or B, Roman Reigns fucking has the title past WrestleMania. And continues to hold the title for what will at that point be four years and basically tie Hulk Hogan for one of the longest title reigns of all time, which does not need to happen. Like we said, Roman's been champ long enough. Now, by doing this, Cody can challenge Cena at WrestleMania. So now you got at WrestleMania 40, Rock versus Roman Reigns, John Cena versus Cody Rhodes. You have Cena defending the title going to Mania, but Cena beats everybody that challenges him for that title. So he racks up a couple more wins. Then... Cody beats him, becomes the undisputed champion, and it still ups Cody's resume because even though he didn't beat the tribal chief, he beat the greatest of all time, which is a bigger moniker for Cody to have. I won the undisputed title by beating John Cena. And you can have John Cena at the end shake Cody's hand, endorse him as the champion. It would be a great WrestleMania moment. So you can have that match on lock. That's why I wanted Cody to go to SmackDown. But the fact that, that he just made himself, I'm the special guest general manager, that didn't feel like something that needed to be hyped up. You could have had these, some of the stuff that, that Cody said, you could have easily had anybody else announce that. And I honestly think the only reason you had Cody announce it was to compete with AEW. I would rather have heard him say, I'm the guy that's going to SmackDown. Because they said, for Jey Uso to come to Raw, somebody had to go to SmackDown. And they have yet to announce who the person is that got traded to SmackDown. And it should be Cody. So that was the only thing I was I was disappointed in. But I did like the fact that LA Knight was being the guest referee. Because LA Knight on the show is a big deal. Because he is the hottest star in WWE today. Like LA Knight is definitely one of those guys that's going to be a top guy. And potentially be the face of this company. He has that opportunity. He's going to be one of those guys. Hell, I wouldn't mind seeing L.A. Knight take the belt from Cody Rhodes at some point down the road. Or have L.A. Knight go for the other world title. Assuming that CM Punk is not going to get a world title shot at Mania, I would let L.A. Knight win the Royal Rumble, choose to face Seth Rollins, beat Seth Rollins, and become the champion. I would love to see that. That's, of course, assuming they're not putting Punk in the ring with Rollins. Because, you know, right now they're talking about CM Punk coming back yeah. and the fact that the, the deal's almost finalized. They're just going over money and storyline direction. Yep, yep, I can see that. And obviously, even though there's a multiple uh, different people Punk could face, the first logical choice would be Rollins because of all the shit Seth Rollins has said about him in interviews. And because WWE runs a professional company... 
and it's fucking organized, the two of them could put whatever personal issues they have aside to work a match and make money. Because that's what makes WWE a more professional company than AEW, is that the, these, these wrestlers are professionals who are capable of working together even if they don't like each other. Because they're grown fucking adults. So, ultimately, we're going to see what happens there. But, right now, we're going to move on here to the first official match of the evening. <laughs> Roxanne Perez, one-on-one, -on -one against Asuka. No. 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 God. <laughs> uh, as soon as uh, Roxanne Perez comes in, Hey, look, it's Vinny's favorite person. Of course, he shoots me the bird. And uh, Asuka uh, comes out to Vinny's second favorite person. But this match right here, just one word, Vinny. You know what it was? What? So Sucked. Did it not? I mean, half the time we're just looking at what goofing on our phone, checking email, Facebook, you were on Twitter. I mean, this match sucks. Short and sweet. It sucked. Then all of a sudden, Asaka hits once, hits a kick. One, two, three. Don't care. And then they give, then Asaka gives praise. Then a hop and she to try to attack. Uh, Sachi attacked. And she looked awfully weird with all that weird hair, dude. Did she not? Um, yeah. Yeah, I was like, okay, what's with the weird hair, dude? But then, eh, no. Uh, who, wait, who'd you say had the word, had the bad hair, dude? Uh, Shotzi, the, she was the special guest, uh, special guest announcer. Commentator. Commentator, commentator. She came out for commentary, commentary because she wanted to announce that she was hosting Halloween Havoc again this year. And I think she said that um, Scarlett was going to be co-hosting with her. And as we all know, Scarlett is the wife and also valet of Karrion Cross. So, obviously, they're going to have the two of them together, uh, Shotzi and Scarlett, to host Halloween Havoc, because Shotzi was very good at hosting the show. So, I think she's going to be good. And then she drops her Fisherman's DDT um, before checking on Perez. So, obviously, she dropped uh, Kiana James with it, because Kiana James uh, got in the ring to talk shit after Asuka defeated Perez. And at first, with Asuka and Perez, there was a decent amount of wrestling in the beginning, but after a certain point, it just became the typical shit. Like, you you know, Asuka doing her strong style no-sell. At one point, she's throwing punches that Roxanne is dodging, but none of the punches are anywhere near Roxanne's face. They're the fakest-looking punches I've ever seen. Uh -huh. And I've seen some fake-looking punches in wrestling. Like, you're not even trying to hit this person. See, that's the thing. You can do a dodging of a punch. You gotta at least throw the punch like you're trying to hit the other person. That's what people don't get. When you go to throw a punch, you gotta throw it as if you're intending that punch to hit somebody. Even if you're throwing one of those punches where the person's gonna block it, uh -huh. you still gotta throw that punch... Like you're expecting it to hit. You shouldn't be expecting the block to come. And that's where my biggest gripe was with that. So that was stupid as fuck. And Asuka in general, I'm not interested in seeing in a wrestling ring. I even skipped her match at uh, Fastlane. I invoked the elite rule and skipped it. Um... I didn't invoke the elite rule here because this is NXT, but I still knew deep down I was not going to enjoy this match. I didn't either. Did I, I, I had no emotional investment in this match at all, although I am glad it opened the show. We can get it out of the way so we can enjoy some wrestling. <laughs> yeah, you said that right after. Yay, it's over. Now we can get back to the good stuff. Yes, we can get back to watching actual wrestling with yeah. actual wrestlers that are worth a damn. Yes. And then we move on now to the next match of the evening. 
We have a six-man pub rules match. The Brawling Brutes and Tyler Bate versus Gallus. I fucking love this right here. Even though it was, it was how do I put this? I, I like to say a mixed bag of nuts. Yeah. It was a mixed bag of nuts. Before the match even started, Gallus, uh, Gallus attacked uh, Butch, Ridge, and uh, Tyler. I mean, they, they, everything was up. They fought back. They finally ringed the bell. There was no um, tagging in and stuff like that. Well, no, it was a tornado tag. Tornado tag, okay. Because it was anything. Tag. Because it was anything goes. And while you were out taking a phone call, uh, uh, Butch stabbed um, Joe Coffee in the hand with a uh, with a dart for the dart. One of those darts. He's like stabbing like ah. I'm like yeah, no, he didn't really stab him, but he sold that very very fucking well. Well, yeah. <laughs> but this right here was fucking awesome. It was just all over the place. A lot of spots, but a lot of good spots. But in the end, um, the the brawling brutes with Tyler Bate uh, power slammed. Uh, who the hell they power slammed? Wolfgang. Yeah, it was a triple power bomb. A triple power bomb on top. One, two, three. It was great. It was one of those. There was kendo sticks. Heck, even one guy got hit with a pole stick and it broke. In half. In half. And I go courtesy of the flesh. Oh jeez. But this right here was great, and the right team fucking won. I know you don't like Gallows, but those guys can fucking move, can they not? Yeah, I'm just, I, I'm not a fan of Gallows, but I acknowledge that they can work. And, and also, one guy tried, well, and, uh, Joe Coffey tried to freaking drink a beer, Pete Dunn slapped it out of his hand. It's like, man, that's alcohol abuse. If it died right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it wasn't that he slapped it out of his hand. He took the drink and smashed the glass in his face. Oh, alcohol abuse. That's why it was funny, because <laughs> it was, because obviously he's being physically abused with alcohol. That's <laughs> That's what made it funny because normally when you think alcohol abuse, it's somebody who drinks too much alcohol or is an alcoholic or drinks it to excess. You don't think alcohol abuse is someone taking alcohol and bashing someone in the face. It's kind of like that scene in Wreck-It Ralph when uh, King Candy looked at Ralph and said, you wouldn't hit a man with glasses, would you? And then he took the glasses off and smacked him in the head and he goes, you hit a man with glasses. Mm. I was not expecting that. That's kind of funny. It's like a play on words. Yeah. So that's what they were going with there. And then, of course, also they had, um, you know, everything that's uh, mentioned in a bar fight. They had a fire extinguisher. Um, they pulled out tables because sometimes you go through tables and those things. They had beer kegs. Trash cans. I think one guy had like a bowling ball of some sort. Yeah, they saw the bowling ball. I was like, why do you need the bowling ball? I mean, do they have that in some sort, some pubs where they do like a bowling thing? I mean, I know there's a place, there's a bar here in Atlanta that uh, back in the day we used to, you know, go see football games at called the Folin Warehouse, mm -hmm. where you literally, it's like bowling with footballs. Mm -hmm. Like you're taking footballs and you're throwing them at the pins trying to get a strike. <laughs> But obviously, uh, Lance Goodman, who was the person I was on the phone with during uh, a little bit of this uh, segment here, was actually during the commercial break, ironically. Um, he used to do business over there. Apparently, he doesn't anymore, and that's something we obviously are hoping to talk about. But I was calling him. Because he was we, we were talking because we were supposed to see if we could get some scheduling going. Because I wanted to bring Lance back on the show to talk football, which I'm hoping to have him back on next week. Sadly, he won't be here this week because he's had a lot of stuff he's been going on with. So we're hoping to talk about that and get him back on the show to get started. Also, I want to um, say right now, if you have any questions you'd like us to ask, uh, feel free to submit those and we'll bring those in as well. I might put a little advertisement on social media, but Lance is eventually returning to the show. And then also we're supposed to be talking about a video, some video related projects we're going to be working on that he wanted to talk about. That's a separate thing from the Boochcast. So that's why I was on the phone with Lance because we were talking very important business related to the Boochcast. 
Mm-hmm. But either way, this was a hardcore weapons violent match. Nuts. And it was great because it's the only match on the card that, that did any of this. So again, it brings the variety. Yes, it does. So it makes it different from all the other matches we're going to see tonight. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And then after that, uh, we see the video package for Becky Lynch and Lyra Valkyra, which will take place on October 24th, which is night one of Halloween Havoc. Basically, mean they're showing up. They're just popping it up. That's all. See, AEW, yeah. this is how you fucking do it. Well, also, they're trying to remind people that both these women are of Irish descent and how Lyra Valkyra was an inspiration to Becky Lynch because she's the first Irish women's champion or the first Irish woman to be signed to WWE and all the accomplishments she made and the fact that both these women went to the same wrestling school. Now, they didn't go at the same time. In fact, when Lyra was there, Becky was there kind of mentoring and teaching a little bit and trying to motivate people. So... That's why Becky's, you know, very much a veteran and Lyra is kind of getting her feet wet in wrestling in that regard. So that's why it's such a big deal to see these two lock up. Then after the video package, Mackenzie Mitchell is backstage with Lyra Valkyra. Tegan Knox immediately interrupts the interview and congratulates Valkyra on being next in line to face Becky Lynch for the title. Valkyra mentioned that Knox had a chance to beat Lynch. Knox says Valkyra's title match has to wait. Because she came so close to winning. Valkyra says she waited her whole career for this opportunity. Knox couldn't get the job done. Valkyra won't let anyone stand in her way. Basically, Tinga and Knox is just pissed off that Valkyra is getting more of a push in her. That's not the vibe I got from this. That's what I got got from her. I don't remember Tinga and Knox. She's like, okay, Tinga and Knox, see what you got. Well, Tinga and Knox was very big in NXT back in the day. Uh, in fact, uh, her and uh, Dakota Kai used to be really good friends. Then Dakota turned on Tegan Knox during the Women's War Games match. So there's a lot of history there. So Tegan Knox, the problem is she was so injury prone that she didn't do a, a lot of the stuff she did wasn't memorable because she spent most of her time on the shelf. So she got this women's title shot on Raw. Obviously didn't get the job done. We knew she wasn't going to get the job done because Becky Lynch is not about to drop this title on a random episode of Raw when they're advertising her for Halloween Havoc. So naturally that wasn't going to happen. But Knox is saying, look, you know, I'm excited for you, but I came very, very close to winning and I know that I can beat her. So that's why I'm saying let I need you're gonna have to wait. Let me get another shot. She wasn't trying to say anything disrespectful. She was just saying, look, I know I can beat Becky. But Valkyra's like, no, I'm not just gonna give you my title shot. I'm not stepping to the side. This is my opportunity, and I'm gonna take it. You couldn't get the job done but I'm taking my shot. So obviously Tegan Knox isn't going to take too kindly to hearing the words, you couldn't get the job done. So now this has me thinking, is she going to interfere in this match? Is she going to cost Lyra Valkyra the championship? And if so, is this going to lead to some sort of triple threat match possibly at deadline? Let's hope it don't go that way. We'll see what happens, though. There's nothing we can really do about it. They keep on kicking Vinny out of the damn room. Yeah. I've pretty much given up on trying to book this shit now. I'm just going to reserve it here to the Boochcast so you guys can hear the brilliant ideas that they don't want to hear about. And then they, and they will epically fail. Yeah. Like and they then, always do. Yes. And then we move on to, we now have John Cena, who comes out to the ring to an enormous reception. This is John Cena's first time on NXT, at least a televised episode of NXT, because John has done dark match segments in the past. In fact, they used to do that to keep the NXT crowds in back when NXT was relatively new. In fact, that's how Enzo and Cass got their big break, was working a dark match segment with John Cena. 
I don't know if people know that. Mm. Uh, Enzo and Cass were very, very popular amongst like the fans and the other wrestlers in the back. But Bill DeMont hated Enzo Amore. He loved Big Cass and was trying to split them up as a team. And Enzo went out and cut a promo one night and Cena caught the attention. And he was like, who's that? And Tyler Breeze told him that's Enzo Amore and everything else. And then... Cena went up to Enzo and said, look, I've been to multiple tapings. You're one of the few people that's actually caught my attention. Great job. And shook his hand. Enzo was like, uh, okay, like shook his hand like he was excited. And then at one point, uh, Cena was talking to him and Cass and he said, how would you got... How fast can you guys get your ring gear on and get in the ring? He goes, well, he goes, I was hoping you can come out with me during this dark match segment and cut a promo on Damian Sandow. And Enzo's like, um, uh, yeah. So they go and get ready. Like, you know, uh, Cass is tying his boots. Enzo's trying to figure out. And they had, for a long time, Enzo had promos and shit written out in advance. Like, that, that, that's what he did, mostly. I mean, obviously, he worked on his in-ring stuff for the most part and everything, but he was constantly writing promos and constantly studying shit. So, when they had to come up with shit on the fly, Cass is like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Enzo's like, don't worry about it. That's why he went out there, and he did uh, the promo that we all know today came from that segment. Because, as we all know, Damian Sandow, during that time, he was the intellectual savior of the masses. Mm-hmm. You know, he's supposed to be this intelligent person who would uh, try to give, you know, quizzes and stuff and try to stump people with the intelligence level. So that's why Enzo went out there and said, you know, he said, hey, I'm Enzo Amore. I'm a certified G and a bona fide stud. And you can't teach that. And Big Cass, he's seven foot tall. And you can't teach that. Now, while you sit here stand out thinking you a smart guy, I'm a little smarter than your average bear. All right, boo-boo. <laughs> Now, let me ask you a question, uh, Dane Sandow. How many dimples are in a golf ball? There are exactly 1,374 dimples in a golf ball. And there are exactly zero dimples on my hind end. <laughs> you know why? Why? Because I'm hard body. And you know what you are? You're S-A-W-F-T. Yeah. And there's a pause. And Cena goes, what did you call him? <laughs> and Enzo goes, soft. And Cena's like, what did you say? So now Enzo's catching on. He's trying to get him to repeat it so the crowd can go crazy. So now Enzo's doing this little the little shuffle with his feet. And he's going, S-A-W-F-T. Soft. And Cena goes, looks at the crowd and goes, he called him soft. Sup? And Cass goes, soft. And the entire NXT building is going soft, and that's how they got over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They spell soft out, and then he kept going out. And one of the writers told him, "Hey, keep saying that every time you go to the ring. That needs to be your thing. You can do other promos and stuff, but have that out there when you go to the ring." And that's when they started doing it every week, and that's when it got over with the crowd. Mm-hmm. So Cena has done dark match stuff, but as far as being on NXT TV, this is the first time John's been there. Cena says this is the most street cred he's gotten in the last 15 years because of the fact they're singing his song and you know cheering for Cena the crowd loudly chants his name mm-hmm. everyone talks about NXT is the future this is Cena talking now but they can't see that they're making history tonight Cody Rhodes the GM LA Knight is a referee and they just turned this place into a pub he's still waiting for his pint nah. now they're singing his theme song that's what makes this place great It's everyone in the crowd and what happens in this ring every Tuesday night. And NXT champ picks up. 
To be here, there is nothing like it. It's long overdue. It's an honor to share a space with these people. Cena is not unique in that case. That's why LA Knight is here and Cody Rhodes are here. And th a thank you Cena chant picks up. One little guy shouts, Cena sucks. Cena says gratitude is a core value of his, as well as honesty. Cena thanks the crowd for creating the environment that he wants to visit and all the WWE superstars want to visit. Yes, they are SmackDown and Raw, but we are all NXT. When Carmelo Hayes called him, he couldn't say yes fast enough. They both show hustle, loyalty, and respect. He works hard, is a great friend, and he has respect for him and is excited for his match with Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker's music hits, and he walks out to the ring. The crowd sings, Braun Breaker sucks, to John Cena's theme. Breaker sarcastically thanks Cena for coming. It's a big night for NXT and WWE. Breaker wants to give him a little fact. These people didn't come here to see Cena. They're here to see Breaker. The crowd boos and chants bullshit. Cena has everyone fooled to let the people think Hayes had a chance to beat him. The crowd is chanting bullshit, and the censors are ruining this promo. Time. That is very true. We saw that a lot tonight, didn't we not? It was yeah. the full beep, full beep, or you beeped up. You beeped up. I was like, seriously, guys? This is what you get for being a PG, so... Go ahead. Cena says Breaker is athletically gifted. His glaring weakness is his attitude. Breaker lacks respect. Cena isn't here to run him down, but now that he's here... This is a teachable moment. Cena's excited about this match and respectfully wishes Breaker luck. Cena extends his hand, but Breaker instead punches him down. Breaker sizes Cena for a spear. Cena sidesets him. Cena goes for an anti-judgment, but Breaker slides off and escapes the ring. Uh, I have to say this was great right here. John Cena come out. I I am not the biggest fan of John Cena. I have three words for you, Vinny. You know what that is? What? R-K-O. Which means I'm more of a Randy Orton fan than a John Cena fan. Yeah. Just saying. But this right here is like, he came out there first time ever in NXT. It was like, they were singing along to a song, which that's the first time I ever heard that. And they're singing along to John Cena's theme music. But yes. that is sort of a thing now. <laughs> Everybody's singing along to the theme music and won't let the match proceed. But this was great right here. He goes like, I'm here and he is one of the greatest, not the greatest. I'm sorry, the greatest is somebody else. We'll, we'll probably talk about him later tonight. But this was right here. Barnbreaker came out running that dick sucker of his and he has a very good point. You're great. You're one of the, you're one of the you're going to go down one of the greats, but your attitude is a fucking problem. And that is very true. And uh, Broad Breaker tried to hit him, and then uh, Cena's like, I don't think so. Nice try. And got out of the way. And proceeded to do what he had to do. Well, yeah, and obviously this was a, once again, Cena doing a great job, hyping everything up. Braun Breaker, of course, like we said, because of the censors, we won't know how good the promo was. It's hard to gauge it, which is why I, here's the thing. One of two things needs to happen in this company. Either A, the censors need to just accept the fact these fans are going to cuss, and the FCC needs to grow the fuck up and go, look, you can't control what an audience of people are going to say. You can control what the talent says. So as long as the talent in WWE or AEW or anywhere, as long as they don't curse, it should be fine. But if the crowd cusses, there's nothing you can do. It's like one of the things that people like to say about when it comes to the Atlanta Braves, for example. <laughs> is how are they still called the Braves with all the PC, politically correct, controversial shit going on? And people have asked me that. And I, here's the answer I give them. Because if they wanted to, they could change the name of the team to something more politically correct. If they wanted to. They are well within the rights to change the name of the team. There's one problem. You cannot, in Georgia, stop a crowd of people in the stands from going, oh, 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 you can't stop them from doing that. Good luck. 
trying yeah. to get a crowd full of people to stop doing that. So it's pointless to change the name. They could do that with the Washington Redskins because they didn't have some special chant like the Braves do. No, they don't. So I'm saying, let's stop worrying about the crowd. If the crowd's going to say vulgar shit, they're going to say vulgar shit. Censoring it doesn't help the cause. And also, here's another thing I'd like to say to the fans out there. If the censors ruining the promo bothers you, here's an idea. Stop cursing at the shows. You don't need to do that shit. You really don't. Instead of bullshit, go bull crap. I mean, just saying. Don't have to go bull beep. I think you can say crap on a PG PG. I'm show. just saying, you can change it up. Yeah, you can. I'm not just in saying. Here beeping all the damn time, or where they're not like letting them say anything. Or yeah, the, the, yeah. You got to get some type of control over your audience. Like tell them before the show, hey, we'd appreciate it if you wouldn't say this, if you wouldn't do this. You know, just figure that out because by censoring, we if we can't hear the promo. We can't get emotionally invested in the show. And that's the problem. A lot of times, promos get fucked up by either censors or fans with the drowning out booze and shit. Like, it becomes annoying after a while because me personally, I want to hear the promo. I want to see if Braun Breaker can measure up to John Cena on the mic. But now I can't tell because I can't hear the promo because they're having to censor it because the crowd's too busy going, bullshit, bullshit. Like, it's stupid. And it's the NXT room. They should be able to control that to a degree. Yeah, I agree with you on that. They should be able to control it, but apparently they can't. Yeah, that's, that's a disadvantage, unfortunately, of having live TV. Yeah, true. Is that you can't control the audience. And I'm not saying the audience should be forced to cheer or boo the people they don't want to boo. Cheer who you want, boo who you want. But you got to control the set, you got to control the cursing in that regard. Otherwise, you're going to be shocked when these shows get pulled. Also true. But I'm saying, the FCC needs to lighten up in that they regard. Do, you cannot you can't control what an audience of people is going to say. You can only control what the contracted talent says. So stop worrying about the crowd and just make sure your 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 talent's not saying shit or fuck or ass or bitch or whatever other words you want to ban. That's what they need to do here. And then, of course, you know, Cena going for the attitude adjustment, but Breaker sliding off. That was a great moment right there. Yeah, that was. That was a good spot right there. Yeah, they, Cena dodged the spear, mm-hmm. went for the attitude adjustment. Breaker got out of there like it was It was a good spot. Very good spot. He got out of there like a bat out of hell. Yes. And it could set up something potential down the road if they wanted to for Cena versus Braun Breaker. Very true. Then we cut to the backstage area with special guest general manager Cody Rhodes. Ah, He's walking backstage when he sees the NXT tag team champions, Tony D and Stax. D'Angelo says they have a problem. Rhodes can deal with problems as the GM. They have a solution to find their next challenger. Lorenzo deciphers what D'Angelo said, basically wanting a tag team battle royal. When it gets down to two teams, they'll fight to see who will face them in Halloween Havoc Night 1. Rhodes says he likes the idea and calls it the Bada Bing Bada Boom Battle Royal. They're happy with that. Of course they are. I, I, I saw that right there. The Bada Bing Bada Boom Battle Royal. So they're going to have a bunch of tag team battle royals to find out who's the number one contender. Uh, and I personally, uh, and I saw who was on there, and I want it to be the Creed Brothers. Take it away, Vinny. Yeah, I, I, obviously I love this backstage segment because Cody's like, look, I'm from the South, so I can't really understand fully what's going on here. Um, hell, I'm from the New York, New Jersey area. I'm Italian. I could barely understand what Tony D was trying to do here. And, and this is my, and these are my fucking people. So I was trying to figure this shit out. But then Stax, of course, he fucking translated everything. So it made sense. And then, you know, obviously there's different people. Creed Bros is definitely a team I'd love to see doing that. I wouldn't mind Briggs and Jensen also going for it. Like I'm saying, I, I, I mean, the Creed Brothers, I have, you know, obviously 
you know, teams I want to see go in there. But at the same time, we did just have a fatal four-way at No Mercy. I would like to see a team that wasn't involved in that get a shot at Halloween Havoc. You know, let's get some other teams going here, um, especially if the family is still going to plan on remaining the tag team champions. Unless you plan on taking the belts off the family, in which case the Creed brothers should win, you know, put somebody else in. I love to see Briggs and Jensen. I feel like that would be a great team to have in there as well. And there's a few others, but I don't want to mention them because I don't want to skip ahead to what's going on here. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, I saw this right here. It was like, I was like, and I had to see two people who have a love-hate relationship with, and then the family still have the right to have the uh, titles and look like good old Tony D's. Me is doing A-O motherfucking O-K. Of course my knee is fucking doing okay. All I needed was a little bit of ice, a little bit of relaxation. Next thing you know, bada bing, bada boom, the fucking knee is ready to go. Hey, I got something for you. Here's a little thing called the golf clap for you. Yay. Well, if I've learned anything, Cherry Top, it's that you do the golf clap for things you like. So, obviously, you're happy to see the Don back on his fucking feet. So, appreciate that. No now, problem. Now, of course. Ha- don't, it might not happen ever again. That's a shame. Well, of course, it ain't going to happen again. I'm, I'm, I ain't getting fucking injured again. I can take care of that fucking knee. Now, obviously, I had to talk to, you know, Cody over there. You know, the fucking American Nightmare, whatever, over here. And, of course, he's talking about, you know, I'm from the South. I don't really understand. Well, excuse me for having my fucking accent. I'm sorry I didn't speak in fucking hillbilly English over there. Fuck you, you son of a bitch. I'm just saying. Fight me. I mean, what do you expect me to do? Say, hey, Cody, what darnation are you doing over there? You know, I I reckon. You're not going to go. Fuck you. You. New York Yankee piece of shit. I reckon we have ourselves a 10 man Not battle all royal. Of us sound like that who are from the fucking South. So do me a favor and shut the fuck up, you greasy piece of crap. All right, Dan. I mean, I'm just saying we can throw 10 guys over the top rope. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know I swear up. to God. I'm just going to have me some French fried potatoes. But yeah, Cody, we can just throw them over the top rope. Then I reckon you have two people in there. They have a little fight back and forth. And then the winner of that gets to face us for the tag team titles. All right, so now that I said it in the fucking, you know, yeehaw, whatever the fuck thing I needed to do to fucking explain it. Either way, Stax was able to fucking translate. Now we got ourselves this fucking battle royal. It's bada bing, bada boom. And like we said, the winner gets us night one at Halloween Havoc. Never let it be said that the Don's not a giving person. No comment. Yeah, what, what's the matter, Jerry? Top, you ain't excited for the bada bing, bada boom, no, battle royal? I'm very excited. I hope you guys fucking lose. Not really, though. Well, we're not in the fucking battle royal, so we ain't gonna lose. We, we no, I hope you lose your tag team titles, titles to uh, do the Creed Brothers, because I don't really like anybody else. Or, uh, oh, you know, the Creed Brothers. Well, you know, the Creed yeah. Brothers, they're good eggs, so we wouldn't mind facing them again. Obviously, uh, Briggs and Jensen, uh, well, it would make sense, you know. Uh, I have plenty of things to say to them. You know, I bet you do. I bet you, know, you do. Like that, howdy, partner. I reckon we gonna have us a good old time. <laughs> How's Betty Joe and them? See, not only am I the Don of NXT, I'm the man of many fucking voices. Am I not? Tell you, I fucking dominate over here. Even Cherry Top thinks I'm number one, ladies and gentlemen. Negative one. So anyway, uh, just know pretty soon you're gonna be seeing a great masterpiece. By the general manager of the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. I kid with you, bro. No offense. Salud. Anyways, I'll talk to you guys soon. And the next time you see me, 
I'll be entering Halloween Havoc with some worthy competitors. Peace. Yeah, he was actually pretty funny this week. I was liking the Don. That's a lot of cool voices he did right there. Anyway, we cut to the backstage area with uh, Baron Corbin. Corbin says Ilya Dragunov is ducking him. Dragunov is scared of him. The guy who deserves a title shot isn't getting a shot. Corbin thought Dragunov would be a better champion than Carmelo Hayes, but he's not. LA Knight's music is heard, and Corbin walks off. He's just uh, he's just pissed off that he's not the champion and Dragunov is basically. Well, yeah, and he well also he wants a title shot because he feels like he said other than what happened with at No Mercy, he's the only other person to actually beat Ilya Dragunov and pin him one two three in the middle of the ring. That is true. So he feels like that gives him the right to challenge for that title. I mean, hell, up until, uh, I want to say Money in the Bank. When was the Bloodline Civil War? Was it Money in the Bank? Yeah, I think it was Money in the Bank. Yeah. yeah. Um, because before Money in the Bank, Corbin was the last person to pin Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. Until Jey Uso did at Money in the Bank. So, ultimately, that could have made Baron Corbin a valuable contender and possibly a guy that could have dethroned Roman Reigns if they wanted to repackage him. Like, what they're doing, like, even though they're repackaging him right now, but I'm saying at that time, if the Baron Corbin we saw, we're seeing right now, could have fought Roman Reigns at a pay-per-view with the Usos not having pinned him, fuck, Corbin could have been the guy. Could have dethroned Roman Reigns if they really wanted to push him, but right now they got him in NXT, but here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I want Corbin to face Dragunov at some point, but I don't want it to happen until they're ready for Dragunov to drop the championship. Because I want Corbin to be the guy who takes it from him. Yes. Because Corbin, in my opinion, needs to be the NXT champion to establish his dominance as the top heel. We need a heel world heavyweight champion in NXT, basically. I'm not, that's not true. I'm, we don't necessarily need a heel champion. We can have a babyface champion. I'm just saying Corbin should be the top heel with that title. And until you're ready for Dragunov to drop that title, Corbin should not face him. Because I want Corbin to be the one to win it. So when you're ready for Dragunov to drop that title, have him face Corbin. If you're not ready yet, give him a different challenger. And that's all I'm really saying about that. And then LA Knight comes out to the ring. He's got his LA Knight vest on, his shades. He's got his referee shirt on. And then we have the next match of the evening with LA Knight as the guest referee for the NXT Championship. Ilya Dragunov defends the title against Dominic Mysterio with Rhea Ripley. Me? Really? You didn't like it at first. You really did. Like, this is fucking boring as shit. And that's what, exactly what you said. I said this was boring as shit. You didn't really enjoy it. I could tell you in your actions how time you're fucking on Twitter and Facebook. But I, I mean, hands down that ladies and gentlemen, boys are going to do that something. It was okay. I'm glad this was the mid card because you automatically you know the Dragunov was not going to lose that title. Not on free TV. And after, just right after he just got this won it. There's no fucking way. But this was okay right here. But the cool thing is on how LA Knight kept his glasses on. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, where's his ref, where's his ref shirt on? It's like, it's, it's he has it on. So over the leather vest. Like, oh. Everything was fine. Everything was handy. I mean, these two guys beat the, these two young man beat the shit out of each other. But it was really funny when all of Juster tried to attack him, I think Van Balor came out there and like, oh, hell no. Hey, this thing should move on. Then then uh, Rhea Ripley tried to get involved and um, uh, Tricky Williams came out there, picked her up and said, get the hell out of here. And then um, J.D. McDonough tried to get involved. He got taken down. And, and then uh, Dragunov hit his, uh, hit his finisher. One, two, three. Still NXT champion. And rightfully saw Dragunov. Take it away, Vinny. Yeah. Overall, I did enjoy this match. I feel like Dominic Mysterio is definitely improving in the ring. I think he had a hell of a great uh, showing here that he could definitely hang with the big boys and everything else. He was yelling for his mommy, too. Mommy! I saw that. I was like, ugh. (laughs) Yeah. It was stupid. 
But it, and stupid, again, stupid, I, stupid. I, I I hate it. I feel like like I don't even want to acknowledge this faction as the Judgment Day anymore because it's gotten borderline pathetic. I actually have a new name for them now, which is the Cuckolds. Oh no! Because they are the largest group of cucks I've seen in wrestling. I honestly believe going forward, you should have Finn Balor, Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio, and JD McDonough should all walk out to the ring, down on all fours, crawling, with ball gags in their mouths, and collars around their necks, with leashes all held by Rhea Ripley as she walks into the ring. That's how fucking pathetic these so-called grown-ass men With a whip are. in their hand. With a whip in their hand. Exactly. Leashes in one hand, whip in the other hand. Cause mush, he- Judgment Day. Mush. Because they are fucking whipped bitches. There is... Mm-hmm. I can't take any of them seriously. I can't. This is goddamn ridiculous to me. But overall, Dominic did have a good showing in this match. Dragonov, of course, was whooping ass. Um, I didn't like the fact that Trick Williams had to catch Rhea Ripley. I would have rather he just pulled her off the apron. Mm-hmm. Like, or tripped her up and had her come down. She goes face first into the uh, apron. Like you normally would if somebody got tripped up. Instead of having to catch her because we because even though Rhea Ripley's a girl, she has to be, she's dainty. She's supposed to be a badass bitch, but we still have to handle her delicately because we're politically correct. Bullshit. And then uh, after that, we did see, of course, uh, the blunt force trauma to JD McDonough, which was great. Knight knocking Balor off the apron and everything else. And LA Knight's doing all this to maintain order because he never once put his hands on Dom. So he's still calling it down the middle. He's just taking out the interference. Yeah, that's true right there. And he was doing everything right. It was like, get out of the ring. Ah, did that night. He kept on. And I want to, oh, nope, nope, two, 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 two. She caught that match right down the middle until the Judgment Day got involved. Yes, but even then, he never put his hands on Dominic. Nope, he didn't put he on He took the, out uh, Finn Balor, yeah. and he took out McDonough. Now, Mullet Dom, how about that? Is that a new, good nickname for him? Well, I don't know. Some people like it because they want to talk about the mullets. I don't really give a shit he about it. He rocks the fucking mullet very well. Yeah, I don't really give a shit about it. <laughs> I, I could give a fuck less. Yeah, I can give uh, a fuck less. You know, it's ridiculous to me. But then, uh, Dragonov hits a torpedo in Moscow, gets the one, two, three. He's still the champion. Rightfully so. And then... And then Baron Corbin makes his way to the ring. All of a sudden, Dijak gets in the ring and attacks Dragonov from behind. Dijak is everybody says to Corbin that he beat him to it. Dragonov belongs to Dijak. And Dijak walks off. Why? Because I think Dijak wants a shot at the title now. Okay, that didn't make no sense right here. Baron Corbin goes, seriously, what the fuck, dude? And just looked at, looked at Ilyov and just walked away. I was like, okay, whatever. This did not make any sense that right there. But the match was actually pretty good. Well, well, I get what they're trying to do here because ever after No Mercy, obviously Dragunov needs uh, new challengers. They want to bring new people up because unless they plan on having Carmelo and Dragunov continue their rivalry, Dragunov's going to need fresh challengers. So it makes sense to bring in Dijak into the equation and also a potential for Baron Corbin. That's true. Then we cut to the backstage area where John Cena is backstage with Carmelo Hayes. Hayes thanks Cena for being there and isn't happy with what Braun Breaker did. Trick Williams enters. Hayes apologizes about last week because he already left when Williams lost the North American title. Cena says they'll both be champions again. Hayes says he's got to get ready for his match and leaves. William asks Cena when he knew it was his time. And Cena says, let's go talk. This right here was just uh, um, Cena just chilling with Carmelo Hayes. And then they say, basically, I got your back tonight, man. Don't worry about a thing. Trick Williams uh, does his hand came in there. And they, they basically said, don't worry, guys. You'll be champions again. And like what like what it says, it's like, when it will be my time to end, uh, be my time. And Cena said, let's go talk, buddy. Come on. Come talk, talk, come talk to Uncle John Cena right here. Let's see if I can, t- uh, I can take put you under my wing. Let's go. Let's see what happens. Yes. Trick Williams gets a chance to sit under the learning tree of the GOAT, John Cena. And 
obviously, you know, Cena's trying to implore words of wisdom to everybody here. Yeah, he is. Um, and then, so, they're having this conversation, and of course, you know, uh, you know, Hayes was mad about what happened, but Cena's, like, brushing off what Braun Breaker did. He's not focusing about that, you know, and obviously saying, hey, don't worry, we're gonna get our belts back, you know? Carmelo's gonna get back the NXT title, and then he said, then we're gonna make sure you get back the North American title. So Cena's trying to tell him, look, you guys are gonna be champs again, don't worry about it. So it's a great storyline right here. He's telling the story. He's making it work. Um, and then he's also trying to reassure everything because you can tell there's going to be a potential breakup between Trick and Carmelo. But I like the fact that every time it seems like it's going to happen, they change their minds. So that means either A, they're not going to pull the trigger on it, which I hope they don't. Or B, when they finally do, it's going to be shocking to see what finally causes them to snap. Yeah, 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 yeah. Next, we see a Twitter from NXT Anonymous. And we see Paul Heyman talking with Ava Rain backstage. I didn't see this right here. I think I was in the bathroom. Yeah. So I found this intriguing because here's some interesting things. As we know, Ava was part of the schism. The schism apparently is no more. As we know, uh, Joe Gacy pretty much told Ava that she can go now because there's no more reason for them to be together. He wasn't trying to say it necessarily in a bad way. He's just saying that Joe needs to regroup and find out who he is because after the dyad got released from NXT, because apparently that's what happened. The dyad, or as we once knew them as the grizzled young veterans, they were released from NXT prior to the massive number of releases that WWE had. So because of that, they just got rid of the schism altogether. So now there's talk of what to do with Ava. Now Ava, as we've mentioned before, she is the daughter of The Rock, who is part of the Bloodline family. So I think they're going to have Ava join the Bloodline. I think they're going to call her up to the main roster and have her join the Bloodline. And she's going to become a female member of the Bloodline. Which would work, especially if Roman and The Rock is going to happen. Because imagine The Rock feuding with Roman Reigns and his own daughter is part of the Bloodline faction. Like, imagine The Rock trying to figure out why his daughter is joining up with this group. And, you know, the daughter basically trying to say, I want to step out of the shadow of The Rock. Do you know how hard it is to be in the shadow of the most electrifying man of all time? Like, the promos that could be cut? Mm -hmm. And she just rips her dad apart. And The Rock can be, like, emotionally vulnerable in that moment because his daughter. And that can add an element to the story to really sell. Because, look, obviously Rock and Roman... Is going to be a good match all in itself. But no matter how epic a match is, you still need a story. Always. You always need a story to bring some type of emotion that goes beyond just, it's Roman, it's The Rock, they're going to wrestle. Okay, you can sell a pay-per-view with that, but having a story helps with the build-up. And I think that'd be a perfect way to build it up. By having The Rock's own flesh and blood child in the faction. I can see that right there. We'll see what happens. Watch you be right again. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, another SUV drives up to the Performance Center and out steps Jade Cardgill. And she is greeted by Shawn Michaels. Who'd you think it was? When I first saw the boots, because I couldn't quite... All I saw were the shoes. Mm -hmm. My first thought was Tiffany Stratton. And then they shut the door and it went, Oh shit, that's Jade Cargill. Yeah, that's Jade Cargill. I was like, holy shit. Because obviously I knew Jade Cargill was here. Because at Fastlane, they showed in the pre-show, she showed up. She was talking with Triple H. And Triple H said that they have massive plans for Jade Cargill. They actually asked in the interview, When can we expect Jade Cargill to debut? And Triple H's exact answer 
answer was when she's ready. So obviously, they're training Jay Cargill right now because that's what I said before. In WWE, you have to learn their style, their playbook, but also Jay Cargill can get trained properly because AEW does a lot of things. One thing they do not provide is proper training. That is true. Even though, granted, she's here's the people. There's a list of people who have trained her over time, though. Ar Fox who has a reputation for being a good trainer. Brian Danielson, one of the all-time best in-ring wrestlers ever. Dustin Rhodes, also a great teacher. Heath Slater, don't really know much about his teaching. QT Marshall, I kind of question that a little bit. Sanjay Dutt, uh, okay. And then the Performance Center, where now she's learning to train there. So she can become a valued asset to the company. And now she can, you know, get proper training and be recognized as a top star. And it's a big deal. And I loved seeing what happened here. My only regret was that there wasn't a backstage segment between Jade and Cody. That's true. Because it would have just been funny. Oh, but she just looked at, she looked at Shawn Michaels and says, Shawn, you know she wouldn't cut the shit and walk away. Well, she's not going to do that. Not to, not to a... Not to the boss of NXT and not to well, the legendary Shawn Michaels. Well, no, not just that. It's the fact that we don't know if Jade's coming in as a babyface or a heel. And I think she's coming in right now as a babyface. I think that's the plan. Now, obviously, if she turns heel, they might have her go cut the shit. Or they might change it to cut the crap. I don't know. But they might do that for the PG audience. Although, personally, I think cut the shit would work. But either way, Jade Cargill showing up is a big deal. Because... She is a star, and I like the fact that we see a woman in wrestling that actually looks like a fucking woman. They don't look like a toothpick. Exactly, and she's built like a wrestler. She has a physique. She is great. This is a woman that you can use to draw money, and I can see her being a top main event level wrestler, and I can see her main eventing a WrestleMania one day. And I would, and here's the thing I would say, I would, I would keep her in the performance center, let her make a couple of TV appearances like she's doing right now. But this is what I would do. I would wait until the rumble to feature her. And I may even go this far. I don't know what the plans are for the women's uh, division, but I will say this. I would love to see Jay Cargill win the Royal Rumble and go to WrestleMania. And Before that time, before she decides who she's going to challenge, this is what I would do. I would take the WWE Women's Championship, the one on SmackDown, and I would have Bianca Belair win the title back and have Bianca Belair versus Jade Cargill at WrestleMania 40. That would be very interesting to see. I could see the two of them locking up, and they would have a great match. I could see that. Jay Cargill, one of the toughest women in the world, the EST of WWE, just that's money. That's a money-making match, and I would love to see it. And then obviously have Jay Cargill, you know, I would have her beat Bianca to win the title. And I would just, I would strap, because Triple H even said he wants to strap the rocket to her. And I say fucking strap it. (laughs) And let her fucking dominate. Especially since she had that undefeated streak for a while Mm -hmm. in AEW. Now the difference is, they fucked it up in AEW by having fucking Chris Statlander beat her for that title. I still think that's one of the worst booking decisions I have ever seen. That was so fucking awful. But that's what I would do. I would have her dominate and then eventually have somebody else beat her who's ready to become a champion. When you're finally ready to drop, have Jade drop the title. But I, I, I would have her come in and just fucking dominate. But not until she's ready. That's why I'm saying. And while she's in the performance center during this time, let her train. Let her do some stuff. Maybe make a few appearances here and there. Maybe a couple Raws, a couple Smackdowns to kind of hint around at the idea, hey, I'm here. But you give her, like right now it's October. We're almost not to the end of January. So you got a good solid three, four months of training. Because Jade already knows the basics. 
She just has to learn the WWE playbook and fix the weaknesses that she has. Because there's things that Jade is good at. There's things she's not good at. You have an opportunity to fix those weaknesses. And by the time the Royal Rumble rolls around, make her ready. And then she goes in there, wins the Rumble, has a couple matches here and there. Now she's starting to win matches, look dominant, everything else. Go into WrestleMania, win that title, dominate, run rough shot with that championship. And then when it's time to have someone credible beat her, or when it's time you got a young person coming up that looks credible enough to beat her, that's when she drops the title. I think it's perfect. And then we cut to the backstage area. We have Cody Rhodes who approaches Baron Corbin. Corbin says Rhodes owes him for attacking him in the past and tells him to make a title match for him. Rhodes says Corbin was the last man to beat Dragunov, but Dijak also made a good case. Also, the winner of Carmelo Hayes versus Braun Briggers was a match. Corbin can have his match if he can win a triple threat match next week against Dijak and the winner of Hayes versus Breaker. Corbin isn't happy. Is Corbin ever happy? He was when he was happy, Corbin. That doesn't count. <laughs> but this right here is basically saying Cody Rhodes is like, dude, you attacked me, so to, or you have to earn your spot to, come, uh, to, to get your title shot. You have to do the number one contender shot and go from there. That's basically what Cody said. Yeah. Well, also, he wasn't intimidated by anything he said. Yeah. Because he said you, you, there are people who make impressive cases. So now we're going to see this triple threat match next week. And my, again, my question is, it, what it boils down to is, do they want to reignite the Carmelo Hayes rivalry with him and Dragunov? Or do they want to give Dragunov some fresh meat? Because if Braun Breaker wins, they that they can have the match again. But although they kind of fought already. If Dijak wins, that gives Dragunov another shot. And I would want Dragunov to go over in that match. Or he could face Corbin. In which case, I would want Corbin to go over. But like I said, until you're ready for Dragunov to drop that title, I don't want Corbin to get a shot. Because I want Corbin to be the one to beat him. That's fair to say. And then we cut to the backstage area with uh, Dominic, Mysterio, and Rhea Ripley walking out of the trainer's room. Nathan Fraser tells Mysterio not to treat people like dirt. Ripley says Fraser isn't a champion and not worth their time. Why was this here? I think it's to overemphasize the point that nobody wants Dominic Mysterio in NXT. But he makes it work. Whatever. Go ahead. But Nathan Fraser at the same time is not somebody that I really want to see with the North American title. And I have a feeling they're going to make this a feud or whatever. But like I said, I'm not sold on Nathan Fraser. You yeah, know? me neither. I, I don't hate him, but I'm not sold on him. I, yeah, I don't, I'm not I, either. He's not a guy you put a title on. He's a guy that goes out there and has like preliminary matches or jerks the curtain and shit like that. Basically, he does the uh, pre-show. Let's put it that way. Yeah. He's good for the pre-show. He's not good for the main card. Exactly. <laughs> and on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. Another match in the NXT Women's Breakout Tournament. We have Lola Vice with Electra Lopez versus Danny Palmer. Did you enjoy this right here? I love this Yeah, this match. was actually very, very fucking... Lola Vice is learning very well. And Danny Palmer does a lot of good job. But there was one really... I want to say a botch, but a really bad... Was a kick that uh, Lola Vice kicked... Um, Danny Palmer in the gut hard as shit. And you could definitely tell that it was affecting her most of the match, was it not? Yeah. Well, I don't think that was a botch. I think that was it just a kick. It wasn't a botch. Kick. It was just a kick. That was a pretty brutal, brutal kick. But this right here was where these two fun ladies beat the living <laughs> shit out of each other. And all of a sudden, Lola Flies hits a spinning heel kick for the win. One, two, three, and rightfully so. She's been a little too much dancing sometimes. Like, okay, we understand. You got the body, uh, body, beautiful body. Get back to the match now. That's all I have to say. Well, yeah, you got to time the dancing. Yeah, you, you got to time the dancing. And, it, and it's girls dancing. Nobody's ever going to get tired of seeing that. You just don't do it in the middle of the match. 
or if you do do it in the middle of the match, the person has to be knocked unconscious or tossed out of the ring. Then you do a quick little dance, maybe, whatever. But overall, you don't do that shit in the middle of the match. You should be wrestling, which is what these women did. They were trading submissions. There was grappling. Everything moved fluently. Both these women did very, very well. There was even a moment where they were countering a submission for a two count into a pin, that triangle choke. I thought that was a good spot. That was a very good spot, sir. Very, very good. In fact, we were actually praising that spot before that spinning heel kick. Mm Mm-hmm. We're like, damn, that was pretty well done. Oh, shit. And there you go. And you actually looked at me and went, you still think that was good? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't change the fact that the spot was, that this counter was good, even though it led to that kick in the face. Yeah. You know, so overall, these women brought it. Yes, they did. And that's what the breakout tournament is, to show how good these women are as wrestlers. And they were both extremely well done. This is one of the better, best matches of the show. That is very true. And now we find out Lola Vice will face the winner of Carmen Petrovic and Jada Parker. Uh, I don't know who those people are. And then we head over to Chase University, mm-hmm. where uh, Thea finally returns to class, but JC is now attending Chase as well. Mm-hmm. So they sit down, and then they're going over the history of Halloween Havoc, and then of course they're talking during the class, and Chase is getting to stop talking. Then eventually they start playing with their phones. The guy starts playing with his phone. Chase cusses him out. Breaks the phone. And breaks the phone. And then they're about to go after JC Jane. But then she said she saw online that we find out Andre Chase and Duke Hudson will be part of the Bada Bing Bada Boom Battle Royal. Yep. I mean, I saw this right here. I mean, like, okay, I think, uh, I think, uh, I think uh, JC Jane's going to take, um, Thea Hale and go do their own thing. And I was like, I don't think this is going to, I don't think Thea Hale is going to be with, uh, Chase you for very much longer. I don't think. I think she's going to go do her own thing or stick with J.C. Jane. Yeah. I mean, eventually Thea Hale's going to have to leave. Yeah. If they're going to break out on their own because eventually this is it's going to get annoying after certain points. Like, look, you're either part of this or you're not. Or J.C. turns on Thea and she stays with Chase U and then that leads to the two of them having some kind of major fight to end it all and Thea Hale goes over. And or they can do it like that. But either way, I just want to fucking say that I now know that Chase University is going to be part of our Bada Bing Bada Boom Battle Royal. All I got to say is this. uh, You can take all the fucking classes you want. Ain't amount, no amount of teaching, no amount of learning, no amount of note taking, no amount of history fucking lessons are going to get you ready to face the greatest tag team in NXT. The Don and the Underboss. They're ready to take... Whatever book smarts you got. Because look, they got book smarts, I got street smarts. And let me tell you something. Street smarts always beats book smarts. Let me tell you something. You can't outpunk a gangster with a fucking math book. You know what I'm saying, Jerry Top? No. I'm just saying, it's, it, you know, you got to fucking pay attention in the street more than you pay attention in a classroom. You hear? I hear you, I guess. It guesses. You either hear me or you don't, Jerry Top. I hear you. There a we go. A little bit. Really? A little bit. Do I need to speak fucking louder? All right, I'll do it again. You hear? Nope. Oh, so you don't fucking hear me? I hear you. There we go. Fucking ass. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ with this guy. So anyway, I see them in the battle royal. Either way, the Don and the underboss were still going to be the tag champs. Ah, <sighs> God. Zach, stop being a dick. Seriously? Zach, this is the part of the show where Zach's being silent because he wants to be a fucking child. But anyway, um, we're moving on here. Uh, we see Braun Breaker warming up, getting ready for the match. Paul Heyman says he worked with his father and uncle. As the wise man, he could see the future. Heyman can see Breaker in the main event of WrestleMania. The only thing standing in his way is Carmelo Hayes. Breaker says it doesn't matter if it's Hayes or John Cena standing in his way, he'll break them all. Breaker walks off. Heyman evilly smiles and tells his phone to call Roman Reigns. 
This right here was just how I did. I, I know who your uncle and your dad is. And this was everything. Was, uh, I was like, okay. But all of a sudden, right at the end of it, he um, calls up Rum. And I'm like, okay. Why? All right. We'll see where this goes. That's all I really have to say. Yeah. And uh, I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that he brought up his father and his uncle. Because as we all know, Braun Breaker is related to the Steiner brothers. His father is Rick Steiner. His uncle is Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner. Mm -hmm. So obviously bringing up the family lineage is everything. And obviously Paul Heyman wants to put Braun Breaker over. That's what the whole point of these guys coming to NXT is. Yes, it's to bump the ratings and give a fuck you to AEW. But also, it's to put over these young guys. And that's one thing Paul Heyman's very good at doing. This is his opportunity to showcase Braun Breaker in a damn big way because eventually he is going to the main roster. I, I believe he should already be there. I don't know what the fuck they're waiting for. But now with all this endorsement going on, we can now get Braun Breaker one step closer to the call-up that is long overdue. Mm -hmm. And then after that... We see a little vignette with uh, Brian Pillman Jr. He looks so much like his dad. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and he's watching footage of his father backstage. Pillman says his father is one of the most infamous stars in the business. Everyone has fond memories, but he doesn't. His father died when he was four. He never wanted to be a WWE superstar. He tried everything to not be one, but the business was in his blood. This business brought him so much grief, so he wants to inflict pain on it. He also doesn't want anyone thinking about his dead dad when they think of him. He was raised by a man named King, and that will be his name now. This was a hell of a fucking promo right here. I was like, I was like, everybody likes my dad. I don't remember him. He died when he was four years old. Some guy with the last name King. I thought it was Jerry the King Lawler. Like, no, it was somebody else. All right, all right. I'm intrigued to see what happens. That's why I really, I'm intrigued to see what happens. I'm going to say, all right, Brian Pillman Jr., see what you got. You couldn't do anything in AEW, see what you got here in NXT. Vinny, your thoughts? Well, this was a hell of a promo mm -hmm. by Brian Pillman Jr. I did not expect that. I'm trying right now to see who the guy was that raised him, but they don't seem to mention that in the personal section of anything involving Brian Pillman Jr., Although I have found out that the name they have trademarked for him is called Lexus King. Mm. So that's going to be his uh, new name in NXT. And obviously they want to give him something different to work with. Because even though technically they could call him Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, but apparently that's a wrestling name and apparently he wants to keep that should he ever go back on the indies or everything else. So they're going to trademark Lexus King. And I like it, you know, it shows a little bit of truth to Pillman. You know, obviously, he never got a chance to meet his real dad. Um, and actually, his sisters, Alexis Reed and Skylar King. So apparently, that's a little bit of an idea of the fact that he was raised by a man named King. Because, like I said, he never met his father. Never got a chance to see him. Never got a chance to talk to him. His dad died when he was four. So he basically, you know, was bitter towards the wrestling business. But obviously later got in the business because he wanted to follow in his father's footsteps. And you can see a little bit about this in the Dark Side of the Ring episodes that we did with Brian Pillman. Because Brian Pillman Jr. is obviously part of that. And of course, uh, his mother was, of course, uh, Melanie, who is Brian Pillman's second wife and probably one of the most unlikable human beings on the planet. But eventually, um, Brian did reconcile with his mom and has a great relationship with her now. But obviously, his sisters that were from the previous marriage want nothing to do with that woman and hate her guts. But they still embrace Brian Pillman Jr.'s family. They're not holding that against him. It's like, all right, you want to have a good relationship with your mom go ahead but I still think your mom is a piece of shit that's basic and they have every right to feel that way 
because Melanie at the time was a piece of shit as she was doing as they were making it a primary goal for the first wife not to see not to see her kids which later led to i think her either i think she committed suicide the first mom mm-hmm. first wife if i remember correctly um if i'm wrong on that i apologize but um ultimately it, it helps tell the story like i'm going to establish myself and i don't want people thinking about my father when they think about me i was raised by a man named king so my name is king lexus king now he didn't say Lexus in the promo, but I looked it up online and that's what the name is. Lexus King. That's the name he's now wrestling under. And again, this is another steal from AEW. <laughs> because AEW easily could have did something with Brian Pillman Jr. and dropped the fucking ball. When that Dark Side of the Ring episode came out, you had the perfect opportunity to push this guy to the moon. He was in a great tag team with Griff Garrison, the Varsity Blondes. They could have easily did something with them and fucked that over. So now, hopefully, WWE will do right with him. It's going to be intriguing to see where his career goes. So we got Cody Rhodes, Brian Pillman Jr., and Jay Cargill as steals Mm -hmm. from AEW. Yeah, that's true. So... And if they get pushed to the moon and used properly, that's a a fuck you to all elite wrestling. That's a big fuck you to Tony Khan. Yes. And it can encourage more AEW wrestlers to want to make the jump to WWE. Because they'll realize the grass is greener. Very greener. Now, we cut to the backstage area with Kiana James, who thanks Asuka for what she did. She left just enough of Roxanne Perez for her to finish her off. Blair Davenport walks up and talks to Asuka in Japanese. Fallon Henley and Kalani Jordan walk up, but Asuka looks confused. Tiffany Stratton steps in and offers her services to Asuka. Asuka looks confused again and leaves the room. Henley asks if she has any manners. Stratton says she was taught to treat people like her differently. Toodles! Henley, Ashley, Ash, did your father raise you to have any manners whatsoever? She shows, no. Toodles. That's what she said. No, she said, my dad taught me how to treat treat people like you differently. Mm. Basically saying, you know, don't talk to disgusting pores, as MJF would say. That is true right here. But this was like, Asuka would like, I mean, I think Blair Darfur trying to speak Japanese was fucking ridiculous. Well, she's doing that because she, you know, that's what you try to do when you talk to people. You want to talk to them in their native language. In some cases, it's respectful. Some cases it can be disrespectful depending on the situation. And I think Oscar was not enjoying that right there at yeah. all. Well, I don't know why. I mean, Oscar can't speak fucking English anyway. That's true. Uh, I, I guess she was jealous of the fact that Blair Davenport was speaking um, actual Japanese as opposed to Oscar, who just spews Japanese gibberish. True. So I think that's probably where they were going with that. But either way, you know, it was an awkward segment that Tiffany Stratton saved. Yep, that's very true, sir. Then... Um, we now move on here to the main event of the evening. Mm-hmm. We have Carmelo Hayes with John Cena versus Braun Breaker with Paul Heyman. This was a straight up fucking brawl. Was it not? Oh, yeah. I yeah. wasn't a hoss fight because you guys are not that big. But, but they has fights. They has fights. These two beat the living shit out of each other. Everybody got their moves in. Everybody did. And then um, and, uh, John Cena stood out of the way. Every time uh, uh, Carmelo kicked out, he goes, two, two, two. I mean, everything was going good. Everything was going great. But until when they got, when Carmelo Hayes got thrown out of the rank, um, Strowman, no, Brock Breaker, uh, I almost said Braun Strowman. Oops. Uh, Try to pick up the steel steps. Joshina uh, then Joshina comes over there and kicks him, and then so uh, then so it's the and those two start beating the shit out of each other, and then um, Carmelo Hayes hit this badass cold breaker, knocked a uh, completely confused uh, breaker, a throw him in, hit nothing but net, one two three. But that's not what was so wonderful about this whole thing. And I 
Dr. Curry, see, since I am only a co-host here, folks, I'm going to let Benny take this one. Take it away, sir. Well, before I get to the moment that Zach is so excited to talk about here. So are you. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Not as excited as you are, but I'm excited. Because uh, he's the greatest of all time. Yes, uh, Cena is. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. But my point is, um, this match was very well done. It was a killer main event. Both these guys delivered. It was amazing back and forth action. Amazing chemistry. Braun Breaker looked strong throughout, which was perfect. Carmelo Hayes showing that he is the uh, true baby face coming from behind, overcoming the odds, doing everything. John Cena doing his job, mm-hmm. you know, and doing his part to uh, cheer on and everything. Breaker, of course, trying to do the uh, the fucking five moves of doom. And I was, but then, I was watching. I was like, "Are you watching this right here?" I was like, "It's gonna come bite him in the ass." And then, of course, after he go as he goes for the five knuckle shuffle, Hayes pops up and super kicks him, which was a great spot. Mm-hmm. Cena pounds the mat to get Hayes going and everything else. So it was great. Both these guys had everything on the edge of their seats, mm-hmm. and they were excited. Then, of course, Cena takes out Solo to brawl to the back, and I guess that was so Carmelo Hayes could have the moment in the sun after he won. So it was like, okay, Cena's done. He's getting rid of Solo Sokoa, which obviously means that this bloodline feud with Cena is far from over, which further makes me think that Cena and Roman are going to lock up at Crown Jewel. That's what I see happening. So, of course, in the midst of all this, Carmelo Hayes is celebrating. Mm-hmm. Braun Breaker spears him, and he says, win or lose, there's only one badass in all of WWE. And he's sitting there cheering, and all of a sudden, thong. And then we hear Kid Rock's American Badass playing. And then all of a sudden, The Undertaker comes out on a motorcycle. Yes, The Undertaker, who everyone was convinced was going to show up because during the NXT promo for the show, you know, on the commercials leading up to it, there was a gong. Mm -hmm. So people were convinced, oh my God, we're going to see The Undertaker. And we did. So The Undertaker comes out, gets in the ring, posts for the crowd. He says that the Breaker looks him in the eye. There's a holy shit chant breaking up. Mm -hmm. And then Breaker says, you listen to me, old timer. There's only one badass around here. You understand me? Undertaker grabs the mic and says, now Braun... I've been watching you for a long time. One day, you're going to be a very special talent. There's just one thing. It ain't today. Undertaker drops the mic and then hits him with a right hand. Undertaker then hits him, hits a choke slam. Hayes is smiling in the corner of the ring. Undertaker picks up the microphone again. The fans are chanting for the Undertaker, and he's loving it. And he stands over Breaker and says, Young fella, you see, I'm going to give you a little bit of advice. There's always an older, bigger, badder badass waiting around the corner. You just met the baddest of them all. And drops the mic. And then Undertaker goes over, pulls up Carmelo Hayes, raises his hand, celebrates with him as the show comes to an end. We, our, both our mouths dropped right then and there. We're like, huh? And we were just, we were like goofing off. All right, it's time to start recording. Also, dong. I mean, we were like, we're the edge of your shoe. It's like, okay, came out there in a motorcycle. I, everybody knows. Undertaker's my favorite wrestler of all time. And I see still better than the Undertaker. Just saying. Did I say that wrong? I guess I did. But the funny thing I'm going to have to do. Hey, Finny, Undertaker got him with the choke slam. Yes, thank you, Polly Shore. Do the jugular. <laughs> no? Seriously? He got him with the choke slam. Do the jugular. But I thought this was bad as hell right there. And for his age, he definitely... 
looks good. Yeah. He looks he looks like he lost a little bit of weight. I think he's just enjoying retirement right there. He does not need I was like uh, I don't know if he's lost a little bit of weight. He might have gained a little bit, but yeah. he's I mean he's not like a he's not like a fat fuck. Yeah. But you can tell he's getting a little bit you can tell that he's, he's just not, enjoying retirement. Yeah. I mean he, yeah, that's where he is. He's at that level where it's like I'm enjoying retirement and he's coming out as the American badass now because he's made it clear that now that he's no longer wrestling, he's not gonna come out as the dead man anymore. His day, the cloak, the trench coat, the the hat, all that, that's not, it's not happening anymore. From now on, he does the American Badass, so it's easier for him to cut promos. And he doesn't need to, he does not have to do the, 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 the slow walk and the entrance and all that. He doesn't need to do that shit The hour entrance it takes for him to get to the fucking ring. It, now he's on a motorcycle, which takes even, you know, shorter of a time. Shorter of a time. And it's perfect. So now he's the American Badass going forward, and they're using the Kid Rock song. Instead of, you know, trying to do the, you know, the other one they tried to use when he was, like, Big Evil or whatever the fuck. This is, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 y
visit our YouTube channel, check out all of our YouTube content, and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified of future content will be posted. We're currently working on our Dark Side of the 2000s reviews. Uh, Zach and I wrapped up the ones that we're doing together. We're now working on Dark Side of the Ring as well. We got a few more of those we need to record to get ready to send out to you guys. And of course, I just finally finished editing the Roseanne Barr Dark Side of Comedy episode. And I plan on recording the Maria Bamford episode with Jerry this week. And then all I gotta do is cast the rest of the people and get ready to do the other Dark Side of Comedies. But they will be coming soon. All this is coming soon to the Boochcast YouTube channel. So subscribe now. Check out the content that's already there. And then be ready to see the new content that is coming. And of course, make sure you follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. This is where we do our live wrestling watch parties. Um, our next watch party will be, actually we have two. Uh, we have one coming up on Halloween for a special episode of NXT. Zach and I will be in costume uh, checking out that. But of course, the major one that we have is Saturday, November the 25th for WWE Survivor Series. Uh, we're still working out some of the kinks on that to see if we can make that happen. I also know that I'm still trying to uh, talk to Buff to see if I'm still going with him to wrestle K, because now I'm not so sure, I'll be honest. I'm still trying to figure all of that out, but if I am going, I'll be there on the 24th and the 25th with him for WrestleCade, which is why I won't be able to attend the watch party. Zach obviously won't be able to either. He'll be washing dishes. So um, if we can't make it, we'll get the team to do it. If I can make it, then I'll be the one in charge and see who I can get to uh, join in on the fun. And of course, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, another special project in the works. And of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than the Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level we can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. $10 per month. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since they sold it to the Peacock, you got to know where to put that $9.99. $10.99, bring it over here. We got better content than Network, and unlike the Elite, we actually care about our fans are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying through credit card or with GPay. And the best part is, all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment, we used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believes it to be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then, if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been the Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then... Pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.